from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Ranching, no matter the weather. Well, we just can't, can't afford to lose the calves. Meet some of the faces of food who help keep livestock safe and fed. Winning the furrow, it all starts with a seed. We've really honed in on that precise placement of seed at planting. See the latest in precision planting technology just unveiled as the Ag Secretary lays out new aid for farmers. Today we announced the second installment of relief. Along with a slew of other projects. The details right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths, the Ag Secretary, announcing a new round of funding and several projects that could impact producers. Tom Vilsack making those announcements at this year's American Farm Bureau Convention going on in Puerto Rico. Plans include two new programs that would fill gaps in existing natural disaster and pandemic assistance. First, phase two of the emergency relief program. It will provide aid to producers for production and quality losses of eligible crops in 2020 or 2021 caused by natural disasters. The assistance would primarily be for producers of crops not covered by federal crop insurance. He also announced the Pandemic Assistance Revenue Program. These payments will be for producers who suffered a 15% or greater decrease in 2020 compared with either of the two years prior. And this program is designed again to fill in gaps that weren't necessarily covered by the uh, phase one or phase two of the emergency relief plan. It may be that there's an individual operation that just began. Uh, unfortunately, a new beginning farmer got started in 2020 uh, and then was hit with a disaster and doesn't have the kind of information that would allow a comparison. So we're creating this new pandemic assistance revenue program to assist those farmers in staying in business and staying on the land. Secretary Vilsack also saying that USDA is moving forward with a plan to expand fertilizer production here at home. And he says the agency is also improving risk protection for beginning veteran and minority producers and is making more investments in meat and poultry processing to expand independent processing in Ohio, Michigan and Minnesota. And many are still talking about an announcement that came over the weekend at the convention. John Deere signing a memorandum of understanding with AFBF regarding a farmer's right to repair their own equipment. Now, AFBF is inviting other equipment manufacturers to do the same, and industry sources tell us that's expected to happen soon. Now, the agreement preserves a farmer's right to repair equipment on their own or go to an independent technician. Several states had introduced their own right to repair legislation, but as stated in the MOU released this week, the agreement will happen, quote, through a voluntary private sector commitment to outcomes rather than legislative or regulatory measures. Well, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers and its members companies have always supported a farmer's right to safely maintain, diagnose, and repair their equipment. We remain committed to helping farmers reduce downtime, maximize productivity through solutions that help keep them safe and protect our environment. Uh, this agreement between John Deere and the American Farm Bureau Federation is a positive step, step in resolving this long-standing issue that reinforces the belief that successful resolution doesn't require onerous legislation. Now, experts tell us this is a complicated issue with increased concerns about cybersecurity. The proper cloud-based or offline systems are all vital in making sure ag doesn't become even more vulnerable to cyber attacks while also addressing 
a farmer's right to repair. Meanwhile, the strike continues at some ag equipment maker plants. United Auto Workers at Case Newholland Plants in Burlington, Iowa and Racine, Wisconsin, they voted down a contract proposal over the weekend that would have ended a strike. Workers went on the picket lines last May. A CNH industrial spokesperson said they were disappointed its last best and final offer was not approved. Now it says it remains committed to continuing operations at those plants. Now, California has gone from extreme drought to extreme flooding in just a matter of days. About 10% of the state's entire population is currently under a flood watch. Now, the weather whiplash is forcing California to face the dilemma of how to manage flood waters as the state experiences dramatic shifts from drought to downpours. One climate scientist says part of the solution is drawing levees back to allow rivers more room to safely flood. He says containing floodwaters means less water is available to seep into thirsty underground aquifers, a desperately needed water source for farmers and communities. We have to redesign flood insurance policies so that we're not rebuilding houses once they've been damaged in the same places where they're going to flood again. We have to design flood insurance policies to encourage people to move away from floodplains so that we can open up the floodplains and when we get those floods, they'll be less damaging. But there is some good news in all of this. The UC Berkeley Central Sierra Snow Lab reporting yesterday the area picked up an additional 9.3 inches of snow with more on the way. The Sierra snowpack now sitting at 94% of the snow water equivalent needed by April 1st. And Mother Nature is not done with California just yet as another atmospheric river hits the state today. Meteorologist Chuck Heaver joins us with more. Well, the West Coast cannot get a break. The Pineapple Express continues to bring in copious amounts of precipitation, whether it's in the form of rain or mountain snows. It is going to pile up through next week. You can see here the rainfall totals are going to exceed a half a foot. And we're above normal throughout the country. Look at these temperatures for Chicago. 49 degrees, the average high there is 31 and record-breaking heat down in Texas, Brownsville at 84 degrees. Incredible, incredible for this time of year, especially for January, we're not used to seeing that. Now here's a look at what crews in California are doing to shore up levees as more rain arrives. The state's Department of Water Resources sharing this video of their flood operations center moving 6,000 sandbags and equipment to a levee in Sacramento County. I'm going to continue to track the latest and I'll be back with your full forecast. Win the Furrow programming on Ag Day is sponsored by Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Get season-long systemic disease protection from the inside out, from root to tassel and stalk to leaf. Go long with Zyway brand fungicides. Here's something that might help you win the furrow. John Deere unveiling a new planter technology during the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas last week. Now check this out. Here's a simulated video on how the technology will work. This is in slow motion, but Deere says its new exact shot technology will deliver starter fertilizer exactly where the seed is placed. As a result, farmers will be able to use less starter fertilizer, up to 60% less, and the company also says it will help reduce fertilizer runoff. So, how does it work? We got a first-hand view during CES last week. So it's a combination of robotics and sensors. Um, the placement uh, of the seed with our exact eMERGE technology really enables us to know exactly where that seed is at. 
And then we use sensors to help confirm that and confirm that there is truly a seed being released, which allows us to time the application of fertilizer um, with the re release of the seed. Custer says the exact shot works on the high speed planter as well, which goes 10 miles per hour in a field. She says that ends up being 30 seeds per second every row or 720 seeds per second on a 24 row planter. Now Deer thinks this technology opens the window for added precision farming by the plant versus the field. We've, we've really honed in on that precise placement of seed at planting and so there's a lot of other factors that go into getting really good uniform emergence. Um, things like temperature, moisture in the soil um, and so knowing that placement of the seed really opens up a lot of doors in terms of how we can optimize uh, emergence. Now she says the 60% in fertilizer savings is using products like a 10340 starter fertilizer. Now we talked with Isaac Ferry of CropTech Consulting. He says they tested similar technology that's already on the market today and getting starter fertilizers within an inch of the seed is critical. He says their research found if the starter fertilizer is placed even three inches from that seed, then by the time the roots reach the fertilizer, it's not effective. Is there anything that could bring more money into the commodity market this year? We'll take a look at the broader year ahead coming up in Markets Now. And later, calving in the middle of a blizzard. How one farmer does it in North Dakota in the country. Not that long ago, we were telling you about record high lumber prices. Now lumber prices have hit their lowest level in several months. Chicago Lumber Futures bottomed around the $350 per thousand board feet mark on Monday. That's a level not seen since June of 2020. Experts say soaring interest rates are continuing to depress real estate activity. And the Federal Reserve's aggressive tightening cycle has pushed the 30-year mortgage rate to above 6%. And that's dragging down sales and reining in home price growth while putting a severe dent in home builder confidence. The latest report from the Census Bureau showed that new permits for home construction plunged more than 10% in November. Money can flow into the commodity markets for different reasons. Well, last year, it was inflationary buying of grains by those funds. Could that happen again in 2023? Agnes Michelle Rook asks a question in Markets Now. Joining us with this morning's market analysis, Ted Seifert, Zener Ag Hedge. And Ted, let's talk about uh, inflationary risk premium. We had a lot of it in the grains in 2022. Do you expect us to keep that in 2023? I, that's a great question, Michelle. And, and I think the, better, the best way to answer that is to sort of look at some of these other markets, these other commodity markets that were very uh, greatly affected by inflation. And my favorite one to pick on there is crude oil, you know, and crude oil got upwards of $140 a barrel, currently trading at about $74 a barrel. So it's given about half of that back. And honestly, I don't think the crude fundamentals have really changed all that much in the sense that we've really depleted our strategic oil reserve. We're still having issues with, you know, Russia invasion of Ukraine and the war over there and, you know, global entities kind of blocking Russian oil. Um, again, the energy fundamentals are pretty similar, yet we are halfway off the highs. And you wonder why grains haven't done the same. Uh, I, I think to some extent, the grains got saved by some late season dryness that we had here in this country that cut our right. crop short. Now we have Argentinian problems. But if that starts to fade, if Argentina starts to get better, or you know we get some bearish news on this, this January WASD report, I think there's a lot of room to let out some of this inflationary 
premium in the grains. And I'm a bit worried that that will happen over the next couple of months. And when we talk about the funds, they need a catalyst to get back in. They've liquidated a lot. So what would be the catalyst that could flip that the other way? Yeah, right. I mean, we already have a weather issue when it comes to Argentina. I think if the weather issue were to spread into Brazil and become a much bigger thing, that would be a catalyst for something like that. But short of that, I don't know. It's, it's a really tough question to answer because we've thrown a lot of bullish things at the grain markets over the course of the last two years and even in the course of the last few months with this Argentinian weather situation. Right. Yet we've really had a very hard time, you know, forging higher. And then you, you get, you know, a string of days like we've had the last three days. And it makes you feel like I don't know what what the next big bullish catalyst is going to be. And if we don't get one, it feels like there might be a, a lot of thin air below us. Right, and it's tough for farmers to understand the days we do not trade fundamentals, for sure. All right, thanks That's for true. joining us to Cypher Zinner Ag Hedge More Ag Day coming up. For professional marketing advice specifically tailored to your needs, call Zaner Ag Hedge at 312-277-0113. Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. Meteorologist Chuck Heaver joining us here with our national forecast. And Chuck, we've been talking a lot about uh, the West Coast there, but well, that rain continues to pile up along California. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday and today it just will not stop. We just get one wave after another. It's the Pineapple Express and I'm going to show you what you can expect. We got a lot of rain on the way. Yeah, we're going to pile up more precipitation on the West Coast. You can see the root zone forecast right now. We are wet out to the west of the center part of the country still remains dry, but overall we're normal throughout the rest of the nation. Our jet stream right now is pretty much zonal. However, we do have the Pineapple Express on the West Coast bringing in a lot of moisture off the Pacific. You can see this wave right here and it is going to continue just like a train. We're going to have system after system moving on shore there in the middle part of the country we will have a system form down in texas and that'll move up into the midwest and provide some rain and snow there is the rain and snow out to the west and that's going to continue and then you'll see this storm here fire up and that's going to bring rain into indiana and then this cold front could have a couple severe thunderstorms as this pushes out with a little bit of snow on the back side precipitation forecast well it's all targeted again out on the west coast and a little bit here in the center part of the country in association with that storm but the pineapple express continues to pile up the rain the precipitation and heavy snows in the mountains. You can see from the snowfall estimate here, we're talking again on top of what has already fallen snow in the feet in the Sierra Nevada range. And so, boy, that's good for longer term for off season in terms of the dry season, but wow, it is brutal right now. Temperatures though for today, we have 49 in Chicago. That's 10, 11 degrees above where they normally would be and record heat down to the south. And then for tonight, we're going to see temperatures go down into the 20s in Chicago, a little cooler, still remaining mild down to the south, but the rest of the country remains mild. Look at these temperatures for January. This is incredible. All right, let's take a look closer to home. Trenton, New Jersey, we're going to see clouds increase high 44 degrees. Let's go over to Hilo, Hawaii. There you go. Mostly sunny skies, 81 and a low 63 and Laredo, Texas sunshine, a high of 86.
Weed Warriors on Ag Day is brought to you by Fierce, a pre-emergence herbicide with three formulations. Learn more at valent.com fierce. Always read and follow label instructions. Farmers will have some new tools for finding weeds this year and in the future. Here's a short list courtesy of Penn State Extension. BASF is working on two new herbicide products. One is for pre-burn down and residual activity on broadleaf weeds and soybeans, but that one isn't expected to be launched until 2025. The company also developing a new corn premix for use pre and early post-emergence in corn. That's expected to be registered by 2024. Now in limited quantities for this growing season, Corteva is releasing a Cairo product that is an encapsulated formulation for annual grasses and broadleaves when applied post on corn. Valence Maverick product is fully registered and has a wide application window from pre to 18 inch tall corn to control grasses and broadleaves. Proclova from Corteva will be labeled for use in grass pastures and hay fields to suppress many of those broadleaf weeds. There's also a reformulation of Resicor XL that can be used in field corn. Now Revitin can be used in a burn down program before corn, soybeans, or wheat are planted. And Roundup Power Max 3 is a newer high load glyphosate formulation. Tendovo will primarily be used as a burn down product. And Trivolt can be applied from pre to V2 corn for residual control of grasses and broadleaves. Feeding the world is a big job. Up next, we'll meet one of the families meeting that charge from North Dakota. The Faces of Food, next in the country. A new documentary series is telling the stories of the nation's farmers and ranchers. Faces of Food is a series produced by ADM. Now it shows the hard work, tough decision making, and dedication that goes into feeding the world. And as Jody Kurzman of Ag Day affiliate KFYR reports, the debut episode features a North Dakota farm family. We all kind of didn't really sleep because we knew we were losing calves and um, nothing we could do about it. Clark they Coleman will never forget last April's you, blizzards. Kinda, this is probably the most challenging week of cattle that, that I've ever seen. In the debut episode of ADM's new documentary series, Faces of Food, fourth-generation Baldwin producer My name's Clark Coleman recalls the challenges of calving in the middle of a blizzard. Calving is a big deal for us. I mean, it's a very high-maintenance, uh, all-hands-on-deck process, and, and that's without a blizzard. So you put a blizzard into the deal, and it, it just really changes everybody's lives for however long that blizzard is. You know, we just can't, can't afford to lose the calves, and, and when you do lose these calves, you feel bad about it because they're our responsibility. We're supposed to take care of them. In the video, Coleman recalls trying to get to the cattle in the dark. We got lost three times getting up to the cattle. So my one son, Cooper, he got out and he walked about 10 feet with a powerful spotlight and I couldn't see him anymore. I thought, oh my God, he, he shouldn't be out there. And Coleman hopes sharing his story, the good and the bad, might help people better understand what farmers and ranchers like he his brother, and his sons. They will be the fifth generation on the farm. So we're pretty proud of that. Do every day at DJ Coleman Farms. In Bismarck, I'm Jody Kurzman, reporting for your news leader. All right, thanks, Jody. Now you can watch all of the Faces of Food videos online at the address on your screen. That's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. 
Well, let's hear it at Dan Clinton.